0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A warm welcome to each of you from the Christian Crusaders. Have you ever pictured Jesus as the life of the party? The Bible tells us he actually loves joyous feasts and celebrations. In fact, Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding banquet. And that very event can tell us much about his relationship with us. Let's learn more in today's message, Jesus Revealed, the Life of the Party.
1: Today, we're going to take a look at a rather homey story about Jesus as we continue our sermon series, Jesus Revealed. I hope you'll stay tuned in and worship with us today. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you showed your glory and led many to faith by the works of your Son. As Jesus brought gladness and healing to his people, grant us these same gifts and lead us also to perfect faith in Christ In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And so they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water and that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory And his disciples believed in him. Dear friends, a family was riding home from church one Sunday. And mom asked her second grade daughter about the lesson uh, her class had covered in Sunday school. And she said, we learned the story about Jesus turning the water into wine at Cana. And then she enthusiastically told them the whole story. When she was finished, her mom asked, so, what did you learn from that story? The little girl thought for a moment and said, well, if you're going to have a party, make sure you invite Jesus. (laughs) She's right, you know. Today's gospel text affirms that. Let's take another quick look at the story. The opening words on the third day connect it to the story which comes before it, where Jesus had promised Nathanael that if he were to come with him, he would see greater things, heaven and earth intersecting with the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, Jesus. Well, that's exactly what Nathaniel and the others will start seeing at Cana, and at a wedding party of all things. I, I love the fact that Jesus went to wedding parties. I love the image of him being with people, celebrating with them, and the joy and. The dancing and joking around and it's a great picture. I'm reminded of a statement, I believe, by C.S. Lewis where he said Christianity isn't for dead heads, at least not if you take Christ as the model. He was not so much a man of sorrows as a man of joy. We know he didn't stifle his tears, but he also didn't cover up his laughter and joy. He liked parties and fun and swarms of kids. The stories he told were often of joyous feasts and celebrations. He likened the kingdom not to a kingdom of a convention of bleary-eyed librarians, but to a rollicking banquet and a wedding feast—tremendous times of joy. Joy was indeed the serious business with Jesus Christ. So Christ was enjoying this wedding in Cana, but the wedding party was sinking fast, headed towards a failure. You see, they'd run out of wine, and it was on the brink of being a social disaster. An embarrassment for the bridegroom and the families could have been considered a bad omen by the newlyweds. Obviously, someone, perhaps the bridegroom himself, had miscalculated how much wine would be needed for this party, which would last four to seven days and you needed wine. It was the sign of joy. No wine. This party needed rescuing then, didn't it? Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have had some connection with the families that were hosting the celebration, for she knew the serious situation at hand. And she turned to Jesus with that problem, interceding on their behalf. She told him, they've run out of wine. He said, dear woman, what's that to do with you and me my hour has not yet come but still believing in Jesus Mary left the whole matter in his hands instructing the servants do whatever he tells you she was showing faith in her son probably shouldn't surprise us should it after all remember she had heard 30 years earlier from the angel Gabriel before Jesus was born that this child that she would bear and raise would be special, called the Son of God. And so we see her not only asking Jesus for help with the situation, but going on to say to the servant standing there after he questioned her about it, just do whatever he tells you. She left it with him. It was almost as if she was basically just yielding her request to his will. And that, my friend, is faith. Jesus compassionately came to the rescue. He saw six ceremonial purification jars that people used for washing themselves. It was part of the Jewish rituals. Each of these jars would hold 20 to 30 gallons of water, and so he told the servants to fill them up with water, and they did what he said. He said, now draw some of it out and take it to the chief steward of this feast. And they followed orders and brought it to the chief steward. And when the chief steward tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know where it had come from, though the servants knew. He went to the bridegroom and said, you know, usually the best wine is served first and and then the inferior wine when the guests have become drunk and don't know the difference. But you, my friend, have done just the opposite. This is fantastic wine. Interesting, isn't it? The one who would later on call himself the bridegroom saved a bridegroom that day at a wedding with his presence and power. And John editorializes at the end of the narrative, by the way. He says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and he revealed his glory. He showed who he really was. And his disciples believed in him. Notice that John refers to this miracle as a sign. The first of Jesus' signs that would reveal his glory. Who he is. Heaven meeting earth. Showing us a heavenly reality. That the word who was with God in the word that was God, has become flesh and dwelt among us. And this sign reveals not only who Jesus is, but also what he brings to a life. He brings rescue, doesn't he? He rescued a wedding party that day. How compassionate of Jesus, even the little things. He stepped in to help. This sign points ahead, by the way, to the last sign where his glory would be revealed. Jesus, remember, said to his mom, My hour is not yet come. What was he talking about there? He's talking about the cross. There the ultimate sign happened. There the glory of God would shine as heaven and earth intersect at a cross. He'll be the sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. The greatest sign of God's love and compassion for a sinful humanity, you and me, who stand as sinful and helpless before a holy God. He rescued, and God will raise him up on Easter, affirming Jesus in that sacrifice offering us forgiveness. We also see that Jesus has the power to transform. He brings transformation. He brings a new quality to life. Of course, we think of the quantity as we think of 180 gallons of wine. That's quite an abundance of wine. And that was something the Old Testament prophecies predicted. Abundance would come with the Messianic age when Messiah comes. Here, though, we have emphasized not only the quantity, but the quality. The steward said, you've served the best wine last. I can't help but be reminded of John's statement about Jesus in the very first chapter of his gospel, where he says, for from his fullness, Christ's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Could it be that those purification jars represented the ritualism of the law of Moses, where people would need cleansing again and again? And this was a sign that they were being replaced with the new wine of the gospel of grace and truth in Jesus Christ. This new wine of Jesus is for the relief of the guilty conscience, burdened by failures. Soon, Christ's once-and-for-all sacrifice at the cross will once-and-for-all save and cleanse completely those who come to God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus not only has the power to forgive our sins then, but to also change us. He cleanses and he changes, making us new creations, powered to walk obediently with God, just as the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, dreamed of a new day, new hearts, new spirit, a new covenant with God's law written on people's hearts. Now able to obey. Christ gives new life, new future, new power. I love this testimony. I came across of an ex-convict, Harold Morris, who speaks of his liberating new life in Christ. He writes, The promise of Second Corinthians 5.17 is that a person in Christ becomes a new creature. That included convict number 62345. Old habits and attitudes were replaced as the Spirit of God worked in my life. The vengeance that I had nourished for five years and the rebellious spirit that had been a driving force in my life relaxed their grip when Christ took control. Little by little he replaced my hatred by his love. Sometimes I lay in the prison yard looking at the sky, relishing the joy and peace that I'd found in Jesus Christ. The bars and fences were still there, as were the guards with their high-powered rifles. But I had an inner strength I'd never known before the very presence of Christ. An event like this rescued party in Cana also points us on to another moment to come, an eternal moment. You see, the wedding is a little foretaste of the great heavenly feast in store for God's forgiven people, according to John's heavenly vision that he gives us in Revelation 21. Listen to these words. He writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And a voice said, And God will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, For the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. You see, Jesus provides not only a new life in the here and now, but an eternal life with him in his heaven. This story then is saved and written in the power of the spirit to be a sign for readers like you and me. It points us to the truth that in Jesus Christ, heaven intersects earth. He's come to be our heavenly rescuer. The word became flesh, to be a transformer of our lives. He would even go on to say about himself and his mission in John's Gospel, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly to the full people have been discovering the truth of that statement from jesus for centuries since they have discovered that jesus was and still is the life of the party the one you want to invite and so i ask you why wouldn't a person invite him to his or her party into his her life? Why not believe in him as his disciples did at the end of our story for today? Why not trust him with your life here and now and for eternity? And furthermore, why not put ourselves in the position of the servants acting on Mary's instructions, doing whatever he says, obey his word, what he speaks to us through scripture about how life works best for his followers as we follow his word. Why not bring him our petitions and our predicaments and our problems, fully yielding ourselves, surrendering ourselves to his good and perfect will in faith. For he who was in the beginning, creating the world, creating humanity, think about this, surely he would know what makes life work best for us. And he who laid down his life for us at a cross to redeem us and rose again, wouldn't he have our best interests in mind? Of course he would. So that's the appeal from God's holy word today. Jesus Christ, heaven intersecting earth. Invite him to your party, into your life. Experience for yourself heaven intersecting with your life. Experience his nearness, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his grace, his compassion and joy. As you trust and obey Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you're going to have a party, you'd better invite Jesus. That's our message for today. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Eternal God, our creator and redeemer, we thank and praise you for this revelation of Jesus that you've shown us today in your holy word. Help us to trust him with our lives and to do whatever he tells us so that we might experience in our own lives the joy and gladness of a new and eternal life with him. We ask this in his name, amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way. May he go behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has inspired you to experience Jesus' nearness, faithfulness, forgiveness, grace, compassion, and joy as you trust and obey Him, the Son of God, and the center of the party that is your life. A memorial gift is a meaningful way to remember a loved one. These gifts can be given in any amount to commemorate the life of someone special while furthering the mission of Christian Crusaders to proclaim the gospel. Honorarium gifts are also a thoughtful way to celebrate someone still in your life. Send your memorial or honorarium gifts to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. You can also call us at 1-888-693-2484 in the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We invite you to visit us anytime on our website and join our Facebook Friends group. These electronic supports lead visitors to further insights in the Christian Crusaders' messages. They also offer a simple method to share biblical truths of the gospel with others. Our website address is christiancrusaders.org. Be sure to share us with your friends on Facebook so they may also join in the great heavenly feast in store for God's forgiving and forgiven people. We are happy you chose to worship with us today, and we invite you to join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting today's service was the Rev. Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.